Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Friday edition is here. Alongside Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. We are live at 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, Tennessee, our daily studio with Outkick and with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad Withrow with the day off. He rejoins us on Monday. He is on a big family trip this weekend. We, over the next three hours, are ready to talk all things NFL playoffs. Divisional round kicks off here in Music City with the Titans and Bengals, followed by the Packers hosting the San Francisco 49ers tomorrow night. Then, of course, on Sunday, Tampa Bay and L.A. in uh, Tampa as Brady takes on Stafford. And then the nightcap on Sunday, Kansas City and Buffalo. Ready for a great weekend. PK, how are things? Things are well. Forming uh, stronger opinions on some of these games and... uh... Eager for kickoff, as I know a lot of people in this city are uh, just at, at fever pitch. Um, can't, ha- can't handle it. Going to have sleepless nights <laughs> uh, and drunken mornings and uh, early afternoons tomorrow. Um, and, and really excited. I have some friends coming into town. Um, may see a couple of them here right as, as we go off the air. And uh, really excited for them. Things are things are cold here. The weather in um, in Green Bay is the game to watch because they're expecting snow, but I believe it's before the game. Like they're going to have the tarp on the field. It'll be uh, snow on the tarp, and then just really cold. It'll feel like below zero. Did I see a minus San Francisco. eight wind chill? Yeah, today? San Francisco gets there. Yeah, so I think the low is around four degrees at Lambeau, Lovely. which is about what you would expect this time of year. You know, it reminded me of. Um, the Kansas City game from, what, three years ago. It was a regular season game, but the Titans played there, and standing on that sideline, I mean, there, there's cold, and then there is just frigid. And that was, that was certainly the case then. It will be that case tomorrow night. I think there are some that say, oh, you know, you can play through cold. You're up and you're moving. This, If you're around zero, a level, it's, it's a lot different. Yeah, and uh, that was a game like we were down on the field before that game. It, it rendered your phone. Uh, yes, useless. froze froze your phone to the. My point phone had where... full charge. It died by the end of the first quarter on the sideline. Yeah, you were sideline reporting that day. My phone died like trying to take pregame video and pictures and stuff. Just uh, you know, <laughs> needed to get one. And, and now Jimmy G <laughs> goes on the road with uh, a bum thumb and a shoulder in in those cold well, conditions. Maybe it's good for the thumb and the shoulder. Maybe. It's like in an ice condition. It. But I mean. If they're winning that game, he's going to game manage it, right? And I would so, think so. You know, it's not that disadvantageous to him, is my thinking, um, because you know everybody thinks they're going to lose it. If they lose it, you know, I don't think it's going to be because of the weather. If they win it, he's going to game manage it, and you know, he needs to make you know two or three big throws in a game management situation. The other stuff, 
will be uh, shorter intermediate uh, intermediate stuff that he could do in any uh, any weather that any you know top 20 22 NFL quarterback could do in any weather I would think I would think Coming up, we're going to get a big preview of all of the NFL games. Some of the NFL headlines out there today. Joe Shane is the new general manager of the New York Giants. I had to look up the pronunciation of his last name. I didn't know if it was Schoen or Shone, and it turns it's out neither. it's Shane. Yeah, Joe, it's Joe Shane. Um, he was or is the assistant general manager for the Bills as of this morning, and then as of right now, he's now the new general manager of the New York Giants. He takes over for Gettleman, who is – Recently retired, quote-unquote. Um, they're now going to hire their next head coach. He's been with Buffalo recently. He's also worked for the Panthers and the Dolphins in his background. So uh, there have been several coaches that have made their way through both of those organizations, uh, same as the Bills as assistants. But, Paul, you brought up Brian Dayball as a, an interesting solution for the Giants. And Leslie there. Frazier. Offensive coordinator, yeah, and defensive coordinator in Buffalo. Um, I think they'll be adding. I'm trying to call up who the Giants have interviewed because they've interviewed a lot of head coaching candidates. But I think they add to that now and have second interviews. And he's certainly, Shane, going to be involved in, in picking and should be. I think you, Chad, and I all agree yesterday, like you can't do these independent of one another or anything like that or you're asking for trouble. This guy now needs to be completely on board with the coaching hire, if not make the coaching hire, in order for you to have a chance of having a, a good uh, good pairing going on. They need to be on the same track. The Packers have activated Randall Cobb off of, of injured reserve. Um, they did that yesterday, so the timetable is no different than what the Titans are, are doing with, with Derrick Henry. They've got 21 days. Um, no one is saying that Cobb's playing tomorrow in this matchup, but um, in, in thinking about you know, he had a muscle core injury, a yeah, core he's expected muscle to play injury. Or, or is he? Yeah. He's playing? See, that's a, that's a big outlet for, for Rodgers. the third wide. Because Scantling, uh, Valdez, is, is, I think, not expected to play tomorrow. And so This uh, is out of necessity. Yeah, he had a good line, Cobb, because uh, he said, it's unfortunate that I've been hurt a few times, but, but two times I've come off the injury list or off uh, time off, and he's had wildly productive games or stretches after that so he's he's kind of uh, not predicting but he's saying i've come back before and been productive i'm hoping that this is going to mirror that and uh and under the headline of if you can play football and you're really good at it they're going to sign you no matter what goes on off the field damon arnett who was cut by the raiders due to the the legal troubles the Kansas City Chiefs have recently signed him to their defensive backfield. So Kansas City's not scared of anybody. No, they're they they're about winning. Not till next year. So he's he's signed like on a futures contract. He's not from what I read. Did you see that? Yeah, that he so he was brandishing a gun and waving it around on social media or something. And th this was after, uh, of course, the Gruden emails after the Henry Ruggs uh, car wreck, and the the Raiders cut him right after that, this season. And now he's with Kansas City in their division. Craziness. Josh McCown, uh, speaking of crazy, is interviewed for the uh, head coaching job with Houston. Now, I don't know if this has just a PFT thing or if this has been elsewhere, but PFT had a couple things this morning where they said that um, 
Houston was kind of desperate for somebody else to interview Josh McCown to kind of validate their talking to Josh McCown, who they talked to last year and again this year, but who on, on his face appears highly un, unqualified to be an NFL head coach. He's not coached at any level. Or maybe he's coached a high school team. I think that's it. When he was commuting to Carolina commuting to be a backup or to Philly to be Philly. a backup. Um, and so then there was a report that the Jaguars, quote, had a conversation with him that didn't qualify as an interview, it qualified as a conversation. Why uh, the Texans feel like somebody else interviewing an unqualified candidate would somehow make him qualified um, is silly to me. And if they were to hire him, look, uh, you know, on one end of the spectrum here, they're looking for a puppet. Uh, They had a puppet (laughs) that they then had um, uh, philosophical differences with that puppet, and they might be looking for another puppet. Brian Flores would be, you know, uh, as a guy that has a mind of his own, uh, clearly, you know, uh, who I would think could still work with Casario, uh, but you know, Casario is not going to be pulling every single string if Brian Flores or certainly Josh McDaniels or certainly um, Gerard Mayo is the coach. If they want to go, you know, way down to having the equivalent of a baseball manager, um, you know, Aaron Boone following Brian Cashman's orders that are laid out earlier in the day, then you could go with Josh McCown whether the Jaguars had a conversation with him or not. I haven't heard um, Mayo's name being mentioned in Houston yet. Uh, I, I thought we had, but I could be jumbling No, the assumption up. was he was going to be number one on their list. And my question was, if he's number one on your list, why are you waiting this long on interviewing the guy and hiring him? If that's your guy. If you're going after Gerard Mayo. He's, he's been available now. Why are you letting him days. go and talk? He's interviewed with two other franchises yeah, Denver now. and... Who's the other? I don't remember. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it's odd. A lot of these jobs, like there's mumblings about a number one, but everybody's moving relatively slowly, which is good. The question is, Hut, when the first coach falls, when the first coach gets hired, is there then a mad scramble? Because if that first coach who gets hired was your first choice, do you then say, oh, crap, I got to get my second choice real quick before he goes off the board? And then did the dominoes start going, or do people remain patient like they're doing now? It, it sounds like, to me, everyone's waiting on what Dan Quinn does because four teams have at least interviewed him, right? So I don't know if he's a finalist on all four, but he's he's been very specific he's on which, one. which ones he's taking. For instance, he did not interview with Jacksonville. Jacksonville wanted to talk to him, and he said no. But he took the interviews on four other spots, and I, I think he's the one to watch. And then potentially uh, Doug Peterson, and a couple of other like Minnesota and, and some other spots. Yeah, I there. think Flores is interesting too. Caldwell, interestingly, I read this morning um, has talked to Chicago, and he's talked to Miami. Is that right? Yes. But he's turned down opportunities to talk to Jacksonville and I think Vegas. So he's being very discerning, either like he's saying, I'll take one of these two or I'll take none at all, or doesn't believe those teams are truly interested in him and maybe are using him for Rooney rule purposes or whatever and doesn't want to participate in that. There are four great games this weekend. It's hard to pick the one that you like the most. For me, I, I, the one I want to watch the most is Tampa and L.A. Because... The Bucs at this time last year 
were trending in the right direction. They were the hot team that went into the postseason playing well after a slow start and got things on track, and then Brady just took over. And and their defense did outstanding things that, that not only took them to a Super Bowl, but won the Super Bowl in Brady's first year in Tampa. To me, the Rams feel like that team now. And, and recency bias, I'm trying not to let it play a huge factor because as great as L.A. looked last Monday night, a big part of it to me was Kingsbury's game plan in all of it. And what does Tampa have in store and what's a rematch from back in week three where L.A. won by 10 points? Stafford played well. Brady played well in that game. Um, now L.A. feels as though they've got a sense of a run game. Philly couldn't run it on Tampa's defense last week. So are we going to see more than 17 pass attempts from Matthew Stafford against that Bucks defense? That's the anticipation there. I also want to see what Arians and what Byron Leftwich and ultimately what Brady does at the line of scrimmage against that formidable front for the Rams, uh, led by Aaron Donald, but certainly speed off the edge, against a banged-up Tampa Bay offensive line. Where they've got one guy with a bum ankle, another player's out. Like they're, they're... they're having to move some parts around up front of their offensive line. Meanwhile, you've got the Rams, who are among the best front sevens that you're going to find in football. Intriguing matchup. It's funny. That might be the game I'm least interested in this weekend. I, I can't say. I, I don't know for sure. I, I'm most interested in the game that I think uh, the networks perceive America to be most interested in, and I, I'll, I'll include myself with that. Um, Buffalo going to Kansas City. Uh, two quarterbacks who threw five touchdown passes last week. Uh, giant over in that game that we were discussing yesterday, uh, taking the over on and expecting production even in the cold of Arrowhead Stadium between Mahomes and Josh Allen. It's got um, that AFC rivalry feeling where Buffalo's yep. got to get past Kansas City in order to prove its legitimacy in order to break through to the Super Bowl, though it would – take a game beyond that for Buffalo this time around. But a lot of intrigue there on uh, two giant quarterbacks um, who are just darlings. Mahomes with an MVP and a Super Bowl championship. I'm sure he won MVP in that too, though I'm not remembering for sure. Um, and Josh Allen, who's coming off you know, a picture-perfect week. Mahomes was awfully good too, but Allen just absolutely in control. Can he extend that? Or is the inconsistency that's been a little bit of his bugaboo um, come back to, to bite him? And can they can they not sustain what they did last week at home against the Patriots? That's in the Sunday night window for a reason. Um, and uh, I, I, I just uh, I, I think it's a great capper to what should be three very good games for that one to be in the, the nightcap, if you will. Um, I'm really excited to, to sit down in front of that one. Coming up later in the show, there are the Coach of the Year finalists in the NFL that are going to go head-to-head uh, tomorrow. We'll, we'll discuss the coaching matchup between Vrabel and Taylor and the Titans and Bengals. Bobby Carpenter will join us from Outkick.com. We'll preview the NFL matchups with him. Hit some college football discussion as well. Stetson Bennett is headed back to Georgia on a big NIL deal. Uh, Gary Patterson is at Texas now as a consultant and advisor to their defense. We'll get Bobby's take on what the Longhorns are doing with Patterson, who goes from TCU now to Austin. When we come back, though, 
a full weekend preview, game-by-game analysis as we go through the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. That's next on OutKick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Four great games in the division around. Traditionally, my favorite weekend of any of the football weekends is, is happening this week. You've got eight teams who are all legit. Um, many of them winning last week for the opportunity to play. The other ones, the number one seeds, are excellent throughout the majority of the year. And all of these four games provide some really great matchups. We'll go in order for Outkick 360's big game preview, starting with uh, the game that kicks off the weekend. Tomorrow afternoon, right here in Nashville at Nissan Stadium, Titans and Bengals, where the question I'm asking myself is, who are the Cincinnati Bengals? When you, when you look at the first half of the Raiders game last week, they look explosive. Uh, Burrow was hitting several targets. And then second half... 112 yards total. They averaged four yards per play on 28 plays. 
And the Raiders, if they stick with their run game, they likely win the game. I think we're talking about the Raiders being here instead of the Cincinnati Bengals. Nonetheless, the town, the city is on fire. I wonder how much of the uh, the emotions that went into that reaction and the celebration and the the monkey off their back of winning a playoff game for the first time in 31 years. I wonder what that does for a young team and a young head coach that now, after visiting bars and presenting game balls, is turning around, going on the road for the first time in the postseason to face the number one seed in the playoffs. Yeah, there there are some things that slant things towards the Bengals for me. The more I look at it, I mean, the Titans should win this game, but you know, uh, it's a team that they haven't faced. They 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 prepare well, give an extra time. Um, I think they're a bit more talented, though not at quarterback, which is a concern. The Titans are definitely healthier um, and at their healthiest in in quite some time, but. Um, Bengals have scored 29.3 over the last eight games when they've won six. Um, pass protection's been an issue for them, but last week against a good pass-rushing Las Vegas team, gave up two sacks and five hits on 36 dropbacks. I think they would take that if you offered them that uh, for tomorrow. Yeah, they would. Um, they've been able to balance things out, though you've talked over the course of the season about how they've turned things over and run things through a burrow as opposed to Mixon, but in the last six games, Mixon's still gotten 21, 19, 24, 18, 20, and 19 carries. So they're still maintaining the kind of balance that doesn't make them overly reliant on on just having to put it on Burrow's back and ask him to throw it. We were talking about this yesterday, some 40 or 50 times every week. He's got to carry the load, but he's still able to hand it off, and they have balance um the titans have given up more big plays than we tend to think the thing that they do after they give up big plays is buckle down and play good red zone defense they're very good at, at limiting things i've got them and maybe our number is different giving up 60 plays of over 20 yards and eight of over uh, or i'm uh, sorry 11 of over 40 yards. So that's where you're scared in this game, obviously. Yeah, I'm not scared of the the big play, the big play, because the majority of those 40 yards came in the first five games of the season on the arm of Zach Wilson to Corey Davis and then those coverage busts in Seattle in yeah. week two. But the 20-plus plays are not not that big, but, but big enough. Um, and on the other side, you know, you're looking for the Titans to break out with their big three. You had it. They've played about 10.7% of their offensive snaps this year with A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and, and uh, Derrick Henry on the field together. When they had that, they were getting 9.4 yards per pass play. That's like Ryan Tannehill, I think, was 9.8 in 2019 when he took over from Mariota and was fantastic. That would have led the league this year. When he didn't have those three, it was seven, which is not a good number. If they can play to that number – and get into that range with a passing game like that that goes hand-in-hand hand with Derrick Henry and Deontay Foreman and whatever they put together run-wise, very optimistic. And that's why you put all that together. This game, to me, is you know a field goal fourth quarter, fourth quarter game. Here's the other thing. And, and Blake Bettingfield, our friend who was a 19-year scout for the Titans, wrote this at, at my site. It's kind of obvious, you know, if you've got two closely matched teams, it comes down to coaching, and he gives the edge, and I think we would give the edge to Vrabel. He's got more big game experience. He's been at it longer. 
But I don't know that there's something. I look at Zach, uh, Zach Taylor, and I haven't watched the Bengals that closely where I say he's really been bad at X. You know? Fourth down percentages we talked about earlier this week. They don't go for it a ton, but they've converted at a pretty good clip. They've defended at a pretty good clip. Like, what's the beef with Zach Taylor? That the beef, to me, that most people would say is he hasn't done it. Right, and, and he's on, on fourth down, they don't – the numbers on the sheet don't jump out to you. He's aggressive as a coach when he 20, when think. he needs to be, yeah. you know. And and when he needs to be is against the Kansas City Chiefs. And we we talked about the Chargers being extremely aggressive. And while the Bengals in that matchup with the Chiefs were not as aggressive as L.A. and L.A. was overly aggressive, they went for it on fourth down instead of settling for field goals several times. In fact, how that game ended with them getting another crack at it with Burrow got, getting hurt and it, yeah, I mean that's. They were, they were being aggressive. They were being aggressive on fourth down, and we're giving them credit for beating Kansas City when, in fact, if not for a penalty... Clock would have beaten them up. Right. So I, I'm, I'm looking at the matchup thinking, how aggressive will Zach Taylor be in a game against the Titans knowing that the goal for Tennessee is to maintain time of possession, run the football. They're going to run the football whether Henry's running it or not. They, the, the Titans lead the league in running backs and carries on the season. They turn around and give it to their running back more than any team in the National Football League. With, with that in mind, how do they how do they go about that offensive mentality? The, the Titans, the vast majority of those 40-plus touchdowns um, came in the first five weeks of the season, and the, the majority of those first five came into uh, an overtime win and a comeback win against Seattle and a loss to the Jets. The Bengals have 11 plays of 40 yards or more that went for touchdowns. That leads the NFL. But the Titans have been good at not giving up the big, big play. And to me, the key will be against a secondary that is not as good as their front, and you can say the same thing about Cincinnati, are the Titans' defensive backs ready to find the football? You know, Chad mentioned yesterday about defensive pass interference. I think that plays a huge factor in this especially with the bigger receivers like T. Higgins. Here's a question for me, too. Like, what forces your aggression if you're the Bengals, right? In a lot of these games, like when you're playing Kansas City or if you're playing Buffalo as, yeah. as New England, you say, well, we have to go score a touchdown because field goals aren't going to keep us in this game, right? But in this game, if you're, if you're the Bengals feeling like you've got to be aggressive, is it because you think, well, we're not going to get down here to the 10-yard line anymore the way they're playing defense. It's not – I doubt it's going to be because you, you can't keep up with the Titans, right? The Titans aren't – unless they change their stripes, excuse the pun. You're not going to say, well, we can't keep up with the Titans because they're throwing so many blows. It's going to be because of what the Titans are doing defensively. And I think that the Bengals are going to think, we can score against them on any possession. Even if, they're, if, even if we just went three and out four times in a row, we're yeah. pretty confident the fifth time we're going to go down and score, right? So I don't know on the aggression meter if it changes the way you look at that stuff because it's more of a defensive question than a keeping up with the offense question. Today at 4.15 Eastern, um, or excuse me, 4.15 Central, 5.15 Eastern, I'll go into further detail on this, but it's critical what Paul's pointing out about the 40-plus yard plays and the, really the 20-plus, the, the chunk plays, the explosives. Um, and that alone doesn't win you this game if you're the Titans against Cincinnati's offense. But Titans gave up 60, Bengals gave up 65, 20 plus. So 
the the Raiders gave up just two plays, explosive plays last week, still lost the game because they were incapable of sticking with the run. And a run game in the second half, specifically with Jacobs, that was working. They were getting runs from Jacobs of five yards, seven yards, eight yards, five yards. And for whatever reason, they just refused to stick with it. And the Titans will do that. That will not happen. The here. Titans will do that. And if they can limit the big plays, there is a stat about the red zone offense that comes into a huge factor for both teams. That is one of the keys to the game that we'll get into at 415. Uh, 49ers Packers. Weather. So I have been downplaying the weather all week, like the Lambo effect. But it's really hard for me to ignore it, knowing how extremely cold it's going to be. I saw earlier this week that the low was going to be in the teens. And that has since changed over the last 24 hours to where the low is now four degrees on Saturday night with a wind chill that puts it well below zero. That is a massive factor on the sidelines, no matter if you're sitting on a heated bench or not. It's just there's cold and then there is extreme cold. And I think the 49ers, there is an adjustment process here with all of it, with their run game. Their run game's based on speed and motion um, and, and a lot of moving parts. Green Bay's is too. But I, I, I just wonder about the, the football exchange and everything else and the fact that the Packers just don't turn the football over. Aaron Rodgers has thrown four picks all season. I mentioned the stat yesterday or the day before about how many passes it's been. It's like 300 pass attempts, 250 pass attempts since his last interception. Maybe more than that. It's incredible. In, in the meantime, he's thrown 27 touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo has 16 turnovers, and he's played in 16 games this season. That's a huge factor. He's, he's turned the football over five times in his last three games. And he's got a, a, a thumb issue that plays a factor late in games, and he's admitted that in Dallas. He threw a bad pick then. Got a shoulder now he has a sprained shoulder on the same uh, throwing arm. I, it's hard for me not to expect the, 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 the weather elements paired with their turnover-prone quarterback. And when I say that, it's not like... Um, I don't mean that as like a, he does this at a clip like Jameis Winston, but you can't do it really at all. You're not afforded any gifts from Green Bay. It's not like you're going to make it, take it. And it's hard for me to overlook that, as good as I think San Francisco is. Also, you want an infusion of warmth in this game? Some, some chicken broth? How about these guys, the Packers, get back? Alexander, yeah. top-flight quarterback, corner. He's been out since week four. He's questionable. Bakhtiari, the, the high, high-quality left tackle, played 27 snaps in week 18. So they're clearly getting him ready to come back. Billy Taylor, the right tackle, he's been out since December 12th with a knee. He probably shows back up. From what I've read, Randall Cobb, who we talked about earlier with this core muscle surgery that he had around November 22nd, 28th, he's going to show up back in the slot. Zadarius Smith's been out since week one with the back, and it sounds like uh, they haven't decided yet if he or Whitney Merciless is going to be active, but put one or both of those guys back into the pass rush. Derrick Henry is the single biggest guy coming back this weekend, but the smorgasbord of guys that could be back for the Packers in some capacity here, you're talking about some high-caliber guys. Look, that have been missing for a long time. What was it, Paul? It was eight, ten years ago when Terrell Suggs tore his Achilles and then came back within like four months or, I mean, way ahead of schedule. Whitney Merciless tore his bicep 60 days ago, and he's back practicing 
with Green Bay. That is insane. There's some miracle science going on, and by miracle science, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I, I, mean, I doubt it's above board. But even with even with the miracle science, not everybody can pull it off. No, I know. But and, I uh, mean, that, I don't know if he plays this week. But it's incredible. He's even back Cam to practice. Akers. Cam Akers is back from an Achilles, Achilles in the same season. And he's that, trucking that's dudes. Unheard of. And he looked great. He looked on awesome. Monday night. So, uh, by the way, Nick Bosa is expected to go in this game for San Francisco. That is a huge gift. We should also mention Fred Warner in the same boat. He's expected to play for the 49ers. And before I harp too much on the turnovers for San Francisco, keep in mind, no one in the NFL, no offense in the NFL over the second half of the season averaged more yards per play than the San Francisco 49ers. And they have been in playoff mode for about the last two months. They come in as the hot team, and they're fully capable of playing their style, not having it all be about Jimmy G and winning this game. I... I think the cold weather plays a factor in the over-under here. I would personally take the under. I think it's one of those hard-fought, battle-in-the-trenches type games, and it comes down to who who possesses the football and who does not turn it over. And I trust Rodgers more than I trust Garoppolo. Here's, here's a one stat that just blew me away. Uh, Devontae Adams in his last five games against San Francisco, 12 for 132 and a touchdown, 10 mm. for 173 and a touchdown, 9 for 138. Seven for 43, 10 for 132, and two touchdowns. They've got to figure that out or they got no chance. I feel like in every game you could pick the best quarterback and, and go with it, but that's just too easy um, when it comes to Rams-Bucks for me. Uh, my heart says go with Brady because he's the best playoff quarterback of all time. And my, my gut feeling here is the Rams are in a position – to be the Buccaneers of 2021, where they have now hit their stride. They've went through that lull. They're hitting their stride. And unlike, well, in many ways, like Tampa Bay, where they go in in a free agency and bring in Brady and a bunch of people and the pieces work, the pieces that the Rams have started to put together at the trade deadline and what they did in free agency on the waiver wire, uh, what they did uh, signing Odell Beckham Jr. after he was cut by Cleveland, these pieces now are all starting to fit together. And then on the defensive side, um, I, I just think they match up really well, especially with the Buccaneers' offensive line that is banged up. They're already down some pieces. They've got a center who's hurt. Their left tackle's hurt. Um, right tackle uh, has a, an ankle issue or a foot issue. Um, Brady's going to have to pull some magic uh, against the, the Rams. going to be perfect weather for this time of year down in Tampa. And I just think the high-powered offense of, of the Rams puts it together in this. I think it's a close game. I think it's a fun game to watch. But this is a road team I think can go and get it done. Well, Andrew Whitworth practiced today, um, and that's big for the Rams. Though I think he's going to be limited even if he goes with the, with the ankle injury. And against Shaq Barrett, that's, that's a tough one. Um, but the Bucks are really beat up. Tristan Wirfs with an ankle at right tackle. Even if he's good to go, I would think he's limited. Ryan Jensen, you mentioned, with an ankle at center. Even if he's good to go, you think he's got to be limited. Josh Wells is the backup right tackle, and he's got a quad problem. I just feel like Cyril Grayson, who's the backup you know, receiver who's come in after they lose Godwin and, and Brown, has a hamstring. I, I, I think I just feel like the Bucks are – 
in trouble. Um, and I know that goes anti the. They're pick, getting pick Fournette Brady. back. They're getting Fournette. Yeah. That's the expectation. And he's still. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's good that they they've got a chance to balance things out on offense. And you never, you know, never say never with Brady. I just feel like the Rams. Are, are on the verge of putting some things together. They played really well. It's another one of those games where uh, I, I like their momentum. I know they're on the road. Um, it's really hard to go win two Super Bowls in a row. Not that Brady can't do it, hasn't done it, all of that stuff. But I, I think the wheels for the Bucks are about to come off. Well, the key with beating Arizona was the run game. And I think that they'll go into Tampa and try to run it with Acres, I'm just not sure they'll have the same success against what was a soft Arizona defense. Their linebackers in Arizona love to cover. They don't like contact all that much if you watch them against the run. And uh, while they showed up and bowed up in week one against the Titans, there were times this season, especially down the stretch, where you didn't see uh, a defense that was very apt at at bringing the, the contact. It was the offense delivering it last week, especially with Acres. I think that's a key. Can can Tampa slow down the run and force Stafford to throw it? Because he's also turnover prone. He'll he'll give it away. He'll give Brady an extra possession. And then can they find the matchup opposite Mike Evans, who if he's one-on-one, he's getting the football. But if they shade him, what does that open up for Gronkowski in the middle? And what can that do for the running backs out of the backfield other than Fournette? I'm, I'm intrigued by the game plan because... I think Brady is fully capable of going and taking these 12 to 15 long drives, play drives, that eat up a ton of clock, not necessarily through the run, but through a short passing game that is extension of a run game that controls the game the same way the Titans are trying to do against Cincinnati's offense. So they use Ramsey a lot of times kind of as this star who sounds almost like a safety, you know, kind of patrolling the middle, where it sounds like he would – deaden Gronkowski a lot while they double uh, Evans with others, um, starting with Darius Slay, perhaps. Um, So if they start out that way, it'd be interesting to see how that works. Sounds like it maybe is what they did in the, in the early season game. Um, I'm fascinated by it because they're among the league leaders in zone coverage. So do they try to go, do they put Ramsey on a guy? This week, and if he's matched up against Gronk, what does that do for? I'm again. It, there are a lot of star on star matchups in this that are under the radar because we're focused on Brady and Stafford. Well, and, there are a lot of stars in this game. Yes, you're looking at Cup and uh, and Evans for for starters, just there at wide receiver. Star studded in Kansas City on Sunday night as well. Chiefs and Bills. Kansas City has as many yards in the second quarter as they did in the first, third, and fourth quarters com- uh, on, on Sunday. All of, their, all of their yards and points came in a quick spurt. And I think against Buffalo, they have to be a lot like Buffalo, which is more of a complete 60-minute game. And while Kansas City's fully capable, they've done it every playoff run, of falling behind and then catching up quickly and, and then taking a lead that they never relinquish, this Buffalo team, to me, is one that can keep the foot on the gas. And Josh Allen is really hard to pick against in this matchup, like even against a very capable and improved Chiefs defense. I was talking about Mixon getting carries to kind of help keep 
uh, Cincinnati ballots. We've been talking about Singletary and Buffalo. 19, 21, 23, 17, 23 in the last five, really helping them well, keep look at his yardage. And it's been a big problem. Seven touchdowns in that span also. Put that together. Another thing here, Kansas City's allowed a league-high seven quarterback rushing touchdowns, and we know that Allen has a real nose uh, for the end zone. Um, Hill versus Buffalo last year in this this well, this game was a week later for all the marbles to go to the Super Bowl. Tyreek Hill shredded them, didn't get in the end zone. Nine catches, 172 yards. They couldn't answer that, um, and they've got to answer that better. I'm sure much of this week has been spent on figuring out how to quiet him down. And he's been had some nagging injuries and stuff and seems to be uh, healthier. The Bills have won five straight games all by 10 or more points. They, they have been foot and pedal to the metal throughout. They lead the NFL in point differential on the season, plus 224 oh. on the scoreboard. They get after it, and they're facing a team that is fully capable of meeting them at every turn. This is, it's, a, it's a great game to watch because I think a lot of people are going to expect 60 points, and you're going to take the over. I think the over-under is like 53 and a half. But, you know, they, they're also – they're also capable, and, and Kansas City had a few drives like this last week where you, you take a 10- or 11-play drive, and it eats up a ton of clock, and they end up with a field goal attempt in the red zone. New England had the second-best red zone defense in the NFL, and it didn't matter against Buffalo. Can Buffalo continue that red zone trend against a, a much-improved Chiefs defense than the one they faced and beat earlier this season? Coming up... Our underdog picks, I've, I've gone to uh, FanDuel to make my outright pick for the underdog this week that I'm all in on. Paul's got some props to watch as well as our big divisional weekend preview continues across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody live daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central in downtown Nashville. The place is packed today. Everyone here enjoying Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, they have the Titans pep rally in town tonight. Um, Chris Johnson, CJ2K will be here. Javon Curse, the freak, will be in attendance. I have been told that they will have some special Zooms with some Titans players and uh, front office members. I'm sure John Robinson will be a part of that in some Sounds way. Like a good deal. Um, everything live here. If you're in town uh, if you're interested in, in joining, it's absolutely free to attend. Sixth and Peabody tonight with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. We certainly vouch for the setting. You can come no uh, while you're buying your moonshine, you'll see our studio. I vouch for Paul's props each week, and I believe he vouches for absolutely. the underdog picks. We've won summer. each week over the last five weeks, at least one. And we've got to win this week because I've only got one for you. Uh, with my outright winner, Wrong which one, is Buffalo. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills uh, straight up over the Kansas City Chiefs. It's only like a point and a half at FanDuel. Um, if you're going to bet this game, you take the money line. Don't take the points uh, and pay the juice on it. Uh, I'm taking the Bills, Paul. I, I'm riding the hot hand of Allen. You can't deny that they, they're among the, the best teams coming into the postseason. You can say, well... Two of their wins over the five where they won by 10 or more points have been against the Patriots. I think it's extremely difficult and it has been underplayed what they did to New England 
just a handful of weeks after doing the exact same thing to New England, and they just did it better. Um, I think they're I think they're ready for the moment on the road at Arrowhead, um, losing the AFC title game there a year ago. They're back with a chance to go back to the AFC Championship game. They've been discussing this all off season, last off season as their season to revamp. They wanted to be more balanced on offense. They preached that in July and August, and then started the season. They couldn't run it at all on a, on a consistent basis. Now they can. They're getting a good run game, good enough run game from Devin Singletary, and then Allen's do, always been very efficient with his wheels, but I think that plays a factor here. I'm taking Buffalo on the money line. I like him too. I'm taking the same thing. Uh, I, I'm big on this game, and it's part of, uh, part of my props as well. Uh, right at the top here. PK's props. If they're in the order, I'm, I'm going most passing yards, Josh Allen. Uh, plus 500. Um, look, I, you're I'm not just, taking Tannehill. I'm just picking, <laughs> I'm picking up where he left off last week. And, uh, I think Kansas city's somewhat susceptible. I think anybody's somewhat susceptible to, uh, to him if he picks up where he left off last week. And I think he will most receiving yards. I'm giving you two options here. I think, uh, Titans could give up a lot of yards to Jamar chase Another guy that I think might just catch a lot of passes for a lot of yards, no matter who he's playing against. Last three games, he kind of sat out that Browns game. 125, 266, 116. Um, Better odds, plus 1,400 for Mike Evans. He's Mike Evans. He's by far the best option with Gronk for Brady, and I think they're going to try to force feed him. Uh, We don't know what Jalen Ramsey's involvement is going to be there, but at 1,400, I think it's worth a couple of bucks. And uh, I'll give you this force. Uh, it, it's not force. These these usually are sucker bets. These are like uh, – Paul's fan, no sucker. Fan, Paul's no sucker. Fan duel crafted parlays. Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and Tyreek Hill, 75-plus receiving yards for all of them, plus 750. I could see that happening. That didn't sound crazy to me when I read it. Throw a couple bucks at it. I don't know what the odds are. They're going to be low. Um, well, low return on Cooper Cup being the leading receiver. He had a down I think week the top on Monday guy. night. He or Adams are the top guy in the other one. I think second. he rebounds in a big way against the, the secondary of Tampa Bay. Tampa's going to sell out to stop the run and make Stafford throw it. He's going to throw it to Cooper Cup. Only 17 attempts last week. I think he gets 28, 29 attempts in this game. And that could be the to the detriment of the Rams, too. But Cup's going to get his. Just like... Jamar Chase is going to get his tomorrow. I mean, all these big guns are going to get theirs. Evans, uh, Adams, Debo. And uh, I'll say A.J. Brown better get his. Uh, he needs it. Yeah, we'll preview Titans and Bengals a little bit later in the show uh, with some big keys to watch for. We'll also talk Derrick Henry's return, anticipating that official announcement shortly. When we come back, we will kick off our number two by discussing the impact role players for all four divisional matchups. Guys not being talked about, but you should pay attention to. And then in 25 minutes, outkicks Bobby Carpenter previews the NFL weekend and hits the college football headlines. It's all straight ahead on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.